That's Camargo from Bevan. Dijon gets down. Over the top. Chalup. Variety Chalup. Garcia. Fake the cross. Sean cuts it across and it's perfect. Up and finishing it off is Alejandro Diaz, who scores in his Vancouver debut. And the Spaniard makes them pay. Fisk. Off goes back for passes around. It's in. Cavalry in stoppage time. They win this match by a goal to nil and go second in the Canadian Premier League table. Canadian Premier League Newsroom, presented by Volkswagen. We're back. That was a pretty groovy intro. I enjoyed that, but we are here on a Monday night to recount the week that was in the Canadian Premier League. We had six games with two midweek last week, plus four. Pretty entertaining, interesting, uh, at least for the most part, games across the weekend. Uh, And let's, let's just jump right into bringing those results up if you didn't catch every game. We had a couple of midweek games last week. Tuesday night, Halifax Wanderers beating Pacific FC, who are, who are still the league leaders, 2-1 to one in a pretty entertaining and, and dramatic game. Halifax scoring goals from Massimo Farron and Callum Watson. Pacific getting one just at the end from Amir Didich, but it wasn't quite enough. And then in Calgary, Cavalry FC, a rare home defeat as Atletico Ottawa go into Spruce Meadows, as they did last year. They win 2-0 with an Ollie Bassett penalty kick and a Jean-Aniel Assi goal. And then we move into the weekend, which was you know another quartet of fascinating games, starting at York Lions Stadium on Friday night, a nil-nil, which uh, you know didn't have maybe a lot of highlights to to speak of, but we will get into that game as we do all of them on Saturday. Our doubleheader was Cavalry beating the Halifax Wanderers at home to reverse that midweek loss and. Get back in the win column thanks to Dan Nimick's own goal very late. I was at Tim Hortons Field for Forge and Valor. It was a wet one, a very rainy one, a controversial one, as we'll also get to. Uh, but Forge getting a goal from Taryn Campbell and Valor scoring a late equalizer from Clyde Cella. And then the weekend ending just yesterday as Atletico Ottawa won their third straight game with a 3-1 win over Vancouver FC thanks to Miguel Acosta, Gabriel Antonoro, and Carl Howarth. All right, uh, before we dive into all of those games specifically, though, it is a World Cup week at the moment. If you're unaware, the Women's World Cup starts later this week. So I think we're going to start there. We're going to bring in our own Benedict Rhodes to chat a little bit about the Women's World Cup down in Australia, New Zealand, starting on Thursday. Canada Group B also starts on Thursday night, technically, technically Friday afternoon there in Australia, I think. But Canada will be taking on Nigeria in Melbourne. Uh, Benedict, you have been all over the coverage for uh, the women's national team for a while, especially at our site. You've got plenty of stuff uh, at campl.ca for people to read, and, and we all will throw out the tournament. But let's just start with you. Maybe maybe bring up the schedule for Canada's group stage here, and we can take a look at it. And then just maybe talk about expectations. You know, Nigeria, Ireland, Australia. That is a not an easy group, right, Benedict? What are your expectations for this group stage? Yeah, this kind of feels like the group of death. You know, that's kind of a cliche, but I think that's a, a fair assessment of this group. You know, each team here has difference makers. You know, Australia has Sam Kerr, who's arguably the best player in the world. Nigeria is a physical team. They have Asasa Ashawala as well from Barcelona, who you can you can tear apart Canada's back line if she gets on, on form. And and uh, Ireland as well. You know, Katie McCabe is, is one of the most entertaining players in the world on and off the pitch. And and uh, she should she should be you know, full value in this tournament as well as, as Ireland play at the, the World Cup for the first time. Um, and I think minimum expectations for Canada, I think, are, are to get out of the group. I think that anything else would be be disappointing, but it certainly won't be easy. And you know, that third game, Australia versus Canada, could very well decide, you know, first versus second or potentially an upset one of those teams not making it through to the next round. Yeah, the uh, the Canada-Ireland game will be a split household in the O'Connor-Clark home. Um, that'll be fun, uh, but... Yeah, as you mentioned, the expectation for Canada is always to get out of the group, at least at the very bare minimum at a World Cup. Um, they have designs on winning this tournament, though, right? They're the gold medalists from the Olympics. They're a very confident bunch. Uh, Benedict, we spoke about, about the squad itself last week, but what players... 
do you need to see big tournaments from? What needs to go right for Bev Priestman in order for Canada to make a good run at this tournament? Yeah, the the key players, you know, Keelan Sheridan, I think he's going to be particularly important. You know, she's one of the best goalkeepers in the world, but sometimes she's prone to maybe a, a little bit of a slip up, and that's something we've seen in the past. But I think if she if she's playing at her her very best, I think there's no reason why she can't pull off a, a Stephanie Labe esque sort of hero for Canada uh, in the tournament, and and also the center backs. You now Canada thrives on, on defending, and uh, you know Kadisha Buchanan, Vanessa Gio, Shalina Zadorsky going to be the sort of rotation of the three center backs, and uh, if they're at their very best as well, you know there's there's no reason why Canada can't keep a clean sheet against any of these teams and when you do that you'll always give yourself a chance to win but at the same time you know goals from open play have been an issue for this team for a while now and uh it'll be interesting to see who starts up top i think it'll probably be jordan heidema uh to start the tournament but uh you know whoever best freeman starts up there will have to be on form and, and put some goals in the back of the net if canada want to advance yeah that's the thing for me i mean it's been kind of the case with this canada team for a while really really since even before maybe that Olympic tournament, they're an incredible defensive team, but we just aren't quite sure where the goals are coming from in open play. Um, they, they did win a gold medal in, in, in Tokyo without scoring a whole lot from open play, but I think in a World Cup uh, where where the atmosphere will be a little bit more intense, some of the teams will be very up for it. I think there's going to be you know some, some pressure on this team to score some goals. Benedict, speaking of teams that there's pressure on, though, at this World Cup, uh, I think across the board, we can definitely say that the field has never been stronger at a Women's World Cup. There's plenty of teams, including Canada, that you could see going deep, going to the final, winning this World Cup. But for you, is it still the Americans' title to lose? I, I think it probably is, as much as that kind of pains me to say that. Um, you know, the, the, the long-standing kind of theory has been that you know the United States could field two teams and, and potentially have both teams meet in the final. You know, they're so they're so deep; they have so much talent. Uh, you know, this is this is I think their tournament to lose, and for them, you know, not winning the whole thing would be you know a, a big failure for them. And I think that's the kind of place every national team wants to be. And when I mean, you have those expectations on you, they are hard to live up to. But I think they they do continue to drive you forward. And I think uh, you know any team that other than the United States winning would would be to some extent an upset. I think so too. But just as I kind of hinted there, there are other teams that feel that they can win this and certainly can. Maybe just give us a, a quick run through of of who some of the other contenders other than Canada and the United States that people are probably going to get to know and, and be, uh, be pretty entertained watching over the next couple of weeks in Australia. Yeah. I mean, I think England, the Euros champions, of course, I'm not biased when I say that, but um, <laughs> you know, I think Canada is going to have to win their group, assuming England wins their group to avoid each other in the round of 16. I think, you know, that could be a huge upset if one of them goes out that early. Uh, and, and, you know, there's other teams as well, you know, Germany, the Euros runners up have, have always been strong. Spain, Missing some of the key players, but uh, that'll, that'll be good as well. And uh, you know, don't rule out you know some of the, the more technical de- teams like Japan, for example, who you know maybe don't have the, the biggest names and the biggest stars, but you know they, they could be a dark horse to go all the way. And I'd say the same thing for the host Australia as well. Yeah, certainly very exciting, a lot of fun. And I know that the path to the final for Canada would be very difficult. However, if I'm reading this right, I'm pretty sure that. Group B and Group E are on opposite sides of the bracket. So if they are to get a matchup with those rivals, the United States, it would have to be in the final, which would be tremendous. That would be a lot of fun. Um, anyway, key, uh, stay tuned to you know the CPL website and, and everywhere else for plenty of coverage of the Women's World Cup, as we'll have over the next few weeks. And I'm personally really excited. It's always exciting to watch a World Cup and to especially watch a Canadian team at the World Cup will be very special. But... Let's go back into our uh, our main mandate here at the CPL newsroom, and we'll go back home to Canada to the CPL. And we are going to start, Benny, with your game this week, which was just yesterday, Atletico Ottawa and Vancouver. And if we if we roll the highlights here, this has been a big week for Ottawa, who obviously won in Calgary on Wednesday and then come home and win pretty convincingly against a Vancouver side that they've played well against this year. Just start by... Telling me what you liked about this game and give it a rating out of 10 for how compelling it was to you. Uh, I'll give it a seven and a half. I think there are a lot of storylines coming into this game that were, were important. You know, like can, uh, can Vancouver come off the bottom of the table? Can Ottawa make it a nine-point week, which they were able to do? And, you know, some some big players coming back into the CPL. I know Alejandro Diaz is, you know, for my money, the best attacker this league has ever had. And, and you know, comes back. And if you're watching YouTube, you just saw it there. He scores on his, on his Vancouver FC debut. And, uh, you know, I think you always kind of 
expected, no, not expected, but kind of uh, thought it was a possibility that this would happen. And uh, he lived up to, to the billing. And, you know, this is, this is a game where both teams had their chances. Um, uh, Vancouver scored early in the second half to make it interesting, but Ottawa were just uh, relentless. And then they came up with the three points in the end. They certainly did. And thanks to, especially thanks to a couple of their substitutes late, which were pretty, pretty incredible pieces of coaching, I think, from Carlos Gonzalez, who identified where they could exploit Vancouver, who were maybe tiring a little bit. Uh, and they, they found a way to do it in front of a pretty boisterous TD place, as it often is. Uh, let's go back there and just get the thoughts of one of their goal scorers, Gabriel Antonoro, who you know, spoke a little bit about what it means to win at home. The first thing is about winning. You know, like winning at home feels, feels better than winning away. And uh, my goal, I've been waiting for this. I've been waiting. Just playing at home feels more special. And it was really a special feeling, like like joy and happiness, and I was very happy. It means a lot. And after Atletico Ottawa struggled at home early in the season, and, and even at times last season, they have been red hot in Ottawa in the last few weeks. Uh, they're red hot in general, but don't look now. They are up into the playoff spots, and that's maybe a testament to how long a football season is and how close the table is right now. Uh, let's just get into Ottawa then and how they've been playing recently Benny you've watched a lot of them it's a perfect July so far it's been three games as we've said but what has impressed you about the way that they've been playing lately yeah Carlos Gonzalez spoke with the same sort of said they're they're a more complete team you know like everything is kind of clicking at the moment whether it's you know the goal scorers you know putting the ball in the net which sometimes they struggle to do or or the defenders you know sort of uh cutting down on on the sort of sloppy mistakes I guess that he was I think he called them stupid mistakes earlier in the season where they're there's really preventable goals and, and they, they managed to sort of uh, tighten those up, I guess, these last few games. And, you know, I think playing three games in a week is, is difficult, but when you're playing in, in the way that they're playing right now on good form and, and full of confidence, you know, I think they're they almost sort of embrace that playing back to back to back three games in eight days. Uh, and, and, you know, getting nine points is, is obviously impressive. That's three of their six wins on the entire season. And, uh, you know, in, in the blink of an eye, from eighth to, to fourth. So everything's kind of going right for Carlos Gonzalez's team at the moment, but there's a lot of football still to be played. There is a lot of football still to be played. I think there's a lot of interesting things about the way Ottawa played in this game. Miguel Acosta had a fantastic week. He scores his goal playing at left back because of some other injuries with Tissot and Sacco not available to go. He's a, just a, a fantastic player, and he, he can really play anywhere in defense or in midfield. Um, I, I think we're, we're starting to see just why Ottawa were so excited to bring Alberto Zapater into the squad. He was phenomenal and he's so he's just so so calm and and he's one of those it's sometimes a cliche when an older midfielder comes into a team like this but he really is kind of that calming presence and that clever player who can pick out the passes that the rest of rest of the field can't really see and then there's plenty of other other shout outs and we've we've spoken about Antonoro I think Carl Howarth has had a really good game and, and a good few weeks when he's been able to get on the pitch which is always good uh for the last word on Ottawa, though, let's go back to TD Place again. Let's hear from Carlos Gonzalez, who will maybe remind us that it is a very long season and not a sprint. In the first games, we were wibbling a little bit. We were not as solid. Uh, now, adding to that, of course, the, the team has a lot of potential offensively. I think that we have very clear ideas of how to attack, and I think that the team is is little by little being more complete. Uh, if I I think I remember that probably we are the second team with more goals in the, in the CPL uh, after Pacific. So a lot of credit to what the players are doing, a lot of credit of the work that we've done in these months. And, and yeah, that's it. We have to continue because this doesn't stop here. You know, in a week we play against Halifax and this league we know that is so equal that if you do two bad games, you're going to return back to the position that you don't want to be. So. Yeah, let's stay humble. Uh, let's say that now we are in a position that we wanted to be in and uh, continue working with more energy than ever because now all the things are going in the right way. One of the first words he said there was wibbling, which I don't think is a word. But other than that, very wise and, and sage advice from Carlos Gonzalez because he's right. If you take your foot on the gas or off the gas because you've had a, a good week, you can find yourself right back at the bottom of the table very quickly in this league. But on the other side of the coin, you can find yourself shooting up it if you keep the accelerator down and you, you know, continue racking up results. Let's go to Vancouver, though. 
Benedict, who have had a bit of a tough time of late. They've been fighting it. They're obviously an expansion team with a very, very young squad who obviously deserve a lot of credit for how far they've come so far. Um, let's first, before I get your thoughts, let's go back there and hear Afshin Gopi's thoughts on that team, because I think that this is a, you know, a, a difficult moment for the team in the season. We saw that Diaz had one good service and he stuck it in the back of the net. And we saw Renan's quality with his shot from distance and his ability to uh, control the game, win duels, play simple balls out of the midfield. So I'm not worried about those two. It's more about my own players integrating with them. And that's uh, the process that sometimes you can't cheat, but we don't have time. We have to get it right as fast as possible. So that's my responsibility and my job to... Uh, challenge them to be uh, uh, as quick as possible a team. Don't have time. Got to get it right as quickly as possible. And he's right. But as Afshin mentioned there, some positives for Vancouver being that I think since the last time we spoke on this show, they've made two big signings. And that's Alejandro Diaz coming back, who we all know, you know unbelievable goal scorer, does it in his first game. And Renan Garcia, who's a uh, very experienced veteran midfielder, uh, been all over the world. Bit of a bit of a surprise signing there in Vancouver, who uh, you know is a very interesting character. And I think we saw the quality of both in this game. Benedict, tell me what you made of their two debuts, and and otherwise what sort of stood out to you. I know it's a three-one loss, but stood out to you in a, in a more positive sense from Vancouver's performance here. Yeah, as you said, and Afshin said, you know. One chance and one goal for Alejandro Diaz. That's what he does. That's what he's brought in to do. Uh, is to to take advantage of the moments he does he does get. And you know if he can be that lethal goal scorer that you know Sean Hundle scored a lot of goals, but Sean, uh, Alejandro Diaz is just you know different gravy. He's, he's one of the best players the league has ever had. Um, and you know Renan Garcia, he's he looks like a, a composed I guess midfielder. He can play out of the midfield. He can take shots from distance. He hit the crossbar. I think four or five minutes into this game. Uh, he played the cross in for Diaz from deep midfield after Ottawa kind of expected him to shoot. Um, so he's got a bit of uh, a bit of everything about him. And I think, you know, as 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 Ashley said, if as, as soon as they sort of get more rhythm, I guess, with their teammates, uh, and and the sort of chemistry starts to build up even more, I think they'll be they they have a potential to be two you know, major signings, uh, and and really turn this team around potentially. And after she got, he said before the game, you know, they want a, a new Vancouver FC in the second half of this season, completely different from the first half, and. Uh, you know, if those two can get going and the teammates around them can elevate their levels a little bit as well, I think, you know, there is a potential for that. Yeah, I, I think so. And I think there's definitely a lot of a lot of value in the fact that they're having somebody who knows this league so well in Alejandro Diaz and somebody who knows football as it's played all over the globe as well as Renan Garcia uh, coming into this lineup, which has been so young, definitely the youngest team in the league especially with the way that they've lined up the last few months in defense with you know, younger players like James Cameron and Anthony White and so on all Tyler Crawford as well, getting into that squad, having that kind of experience in the locker room, I think will only do wonders for not just the team this year, but for those players as they as they really embark on their professional careers. Uh, all right. These teams back in action next weekend, Benny, do you, uh, do you want to let us know where both of these two sides will be when we see them next? Yeah, Ottawa's uh, as you mentioned going to be playing in Halifax, and Vancouver going to be at home, and they are playing Cavalry FC. <laughs> I had it written down here that I put. I had it written down, but I put you on the spot just to see um, Cavalry going to Vancouver for the first time since that home opener in Langley, where uh, it was it was a dramatic and entertaining day. Anyway, Benedict, we will have you back at the end of the show when we go through a, a few of our midseason awards picks. But for now, we're going to make a a substitution of Mr. Rhodes, and we're going to bring in Mr. Mitchell Tierney, who will be with us here to break down two of our games, the first of which being uh, a night game at York Lions Stadium. Uh, and as if we can roll the highlights for this one, uh, York nil, Pacific FC nil. Mitchell, before, well, before I ask you for your rating, I want to remind you that our high ratings are only credible if we are... Mm honest with ourselves with uh, some of the games that aren't as deserving of a, a seven or eight. So uh, out of 10. Yeah, I'll go with a league low or a season low, I believe three out of 10 um, okay. because really this was a match where two teams just kind of nullified each other's strengths for the better part of 90 minutes. Um, you know, I think 
these are two sides that are very, very good in transition in particular. And that meant, you know, they just made a lot of passes that uh, connected with teammates and didn't necessarily put each other in, uh, in any dangerous positions over the course of 90 minutes. Uh, Pacific, they grew into it a little bit as they tend to do. And uh, Nico Giantsopoulos was solid uh, in net late in the match. Gennaro Daniels' footing was not so solid <laughs> on a late chance. So it was probably the only you know, real big chance of the game. But otherwise, in the end, I think uh, nil-nil was a fair result for a match that I think ultimately um, will be rather forgettable in, in the grand scheme of things for both teams. Yeah, I, I think so. And, and obviously, we will shout out Nico Giansopoulos, as Thomas has asked us to in the chat. He is in the team of the week. Uh, he had a clean sheet, which was well-deserved. But I think it, it seems that when these teams play each other, they are always kind of at a bit of a stalemate. There seems to be a lot of draws between these teams are when they're not draws they're wide open and, and one team really takes it over uh, as i think pacific did earlier this year but a lot of draws a lot of kind of chess matches between martin nash and james merriman um let's start though with martin nash because we're going to start with york so let's just go and hear his thoughts before we get yours mitchell yeah i thought we had a real good start we had a couple chances half chances early um which you, you know you want to put one away and settle in i thought we controlled the tempo really well First half had uh, control transition, which is big against them. Um, and then second half, their changes, uh, the guys they brought on changed the game a little bit. I thought we uh, saw the game out pretty well. They had two good chances. Nico made two good saves. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm pleased with the effort and the performance. A good bounce back from last week where um, our effort levels, for whatever reason, were low. And uh, we went to work this week, and I thought um, we were better tactically better defensively created more uh, just didn't hit the target I think one shot on target which is frustrating when we got into some good areas just didn't hit the target and that's been a problem at times for York this year but they've been fighting it a little bit lately Mitchell but to bounce back from a 4-0 loss at home to Forge um, does this for you feel like a point that they're maybe happy with or, or a missed opportunity against the league leaders to to get a much needed win yeah, I think in this league, it should always be seen as a, a missed opportunity if you don't get all three points at home, especially given, you know, their home record this season. Um, I think they're now uh, last in the league in terms of points per game at, at home. And um, I, I do think there are some positives, like Martin Nash said, in the way they played in the first half, they did a great job of playing through that Pacific press that can be um, really lethal if, if you're, you know, not making smart passes through it. But, you know, they have the double midfield pivot a Lou drop back at times, then maybe you don't have the numbers though going forward, which was obviously an issue for both teams in that first half. But um, that, that was likable. And obviously, you know, Nico keeping them in the game late, they lost one nil in a late Sean Young goal last time they played Pacific. So um, right. that was, that was a positive that they, you know, didn't concede late, but I think overall, yes, good response. But at, at the same time, you know, they're running out of home games to, to pick up points in. So uh, that remains. The same. <laughs> Your dog has opinions. As yeah, well. yeah, my dog is not happy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, no late Sean Young goal for this game because he was suspended, unfortunately, as was for York, uh, Austin Ricci and Mobabuli. So maybe that's part of the reason there's a little bit of uh, attacking bite missing at times. But uh, for the last word on York, before we go and speak about Pacific, let's go back there and hear Max Ferrari's take on that game. We started off really good first like three minutes, I think it was. We had two or three chances, and uh, going into the game, everyone agreed that it was kind of that bounce back to show everyone that what team we are, and I think the boys did that well. Obviously, we, we thought we did really well in the first half, probably thought we should have been up one or two, um, but I think the guys uh, did really well to hang on at the end, especially when Pacific started making subs, and you can tell some of our guys were tired, but I think we, we held on. We stayed together, which was the most uh, important thing, and we held on to a result that uh, we can be happy about and we can we can build on. Something that they can build on, I think, for sure. But uh, let's go to Pacific, the league leaders, who are in first place still, but I think winless in their last four now, which yeah. is maybe a little bit of an, an early sign of concern. Uh, Mitchell, are you concerned about them? What did you see from Pacific in this game? I'm not overly concerned because there are a pretty unique set of circumstances in terms of the, the travel they've had to go through uh, over the last couple of weeks, you know, going, going to both coasts in, in less than a week and then to yeah. Ontario for, for an away match. That's never easy. And 
um, you know, kind of in response to that. They rotated a lot of their players. They got what you might think is a last look at, at some guys before they, as James Merriman has said, you know, kind of dial down their, their starting 11 and find more consistency in their lineup. They're hoping um, over the, the final stretch. So um, there, there were some things who, uh, or there, there were some things that obviously, um, you know, kind of contributed to this that, that were pretty clear. The, the big concern for them remains the slow starts, even in this one, you know, no one really looked like they were going to score in this match, but uh, so they don't allow the first goal, but they did start out quite slow again and only really grew into it once Salouf and, and Kunle Dadalou came off the bench at halftime. So that remains a concern, especially since that was kind of their point of emphasis going into the match. But um, on an overall level, um, I don't think there's any reason to be too, too concerned until they start dropping more of these points in, you know, more conducive settings to, to winning matches. Yeah. Um, again, I they're still in first place for a reason. Um, they don't seem overly concerned either. The slow starts are a concern for me, but again, it's very strange that I think, or, or perhaps by design, that Eamon Salouf has really maybe embraced in, in certain weeks being this difference maker off the bench. Mm-hmm. He's kind of that explosive energy who comes into a game late and really changes the game. I don't know how you feel about this, Mitchell, having kind of seen him do that live. Um, do you think that that's where, the best way to use him at the moment or is it maybe a matter of managing his minutes and then later in the season you're able to bring him on for for a, a 60 minute shift at the start of the game and he can do that same thing over a longer period yeah i think you you want him to to start the match again um especially when you're you're not starting matches very well um, yep. you'd like to have that kind of uh injection of energy and talent and you know the the full package that i'm on really brought this season from the start so yeah i think long term um you obviously want that but at the same time i do think it is smart to you know this isn't a player maybe that can hold that over 90 minutes it, you know no one can play with that kind of electricity over 90 minutes so it is no. smart to to manage his minutes and make sure you know he is healthy down the stretch and in, in, in these important games but yeah I, I do think you want a player like that from the start yeah and obviously lots of options at pacific to continue mm-hmm. rotating and as you said james merriman probably still trying to pare down who that best 11 is going to be come playoff time uh all right up next for these teams though i i pretty sure pacific are back home next friday night where they're hosting forge and york will be on the road in winnipeg on Sunday, I think, which is Correct. is always a, a difficult fixture. Am I right? Did I get it right? Do I have it written you down did, here yeah. anyway? You pass, you pass the test. You get a good midseason grade then. It was an open book test. I have it open, open next to me. But anyway, from York Lions Stadium, we're going to head across the GTA to Hamilton, where both of us were on Saturday night for a game that I think miraculously did not have a weather delay. <laughs> I was really scared of it. Uh, the rain really started coming down in the second half, but mercifully we were spared the thunder and lightning for long enough to uh, to get the full 90 minutes in. And if we roll the highlights here, it was uh, pretty entertaining one all draw for me. Um, I'd probably give it mm, seven and a half out of 10, maybe maybe a seven if we're giving seven and a half to the Ottawa game. Um, but it had a little bit of everything. It had some good football in, in both halves from Forge. Uh, we had some some good chances, some of that pretty classic Valor defending that they seem to always pull out of the box against Forge and, and really frustrate them. But a draw, I don't think either team is particularly happy with it. It keeps both teams pretty stagnant in the table. Mitchell, you were there just from your uh, vantage point. What did you make of this experience and enjoying this game? Yeah, I mean, the the level of rain that happened in the second half, you know, always adds a bit of a chaotic factor to, to any game. It was pretty impressive how many... Forge supporters just donned the the ponchos and got back yeah. out there in the rain and like the noise was still excellent. Like I, I love the you know uh, vibes of just okay we're already wet let's just enjoy this and obviously it wasn't you know it was a nice summer rain so it wasn't overly uh, overly cold but yeah I mean it made for a great second half a lot of twists and turns as as you know you'll see on the the YouTube highlights with with Valor equalizing late and you know the first points that Forge have have dropped from a winning position this season, which, you know, will be extra disappointing for the host because, you know, they probably played their best match of, of the season the week before. And, you know, we're hoping to ride the momentum of beating York four nil. So uh, yeah, that, that was 
the host will probably be more disappointed, but like you said, I think both teams were really looking for three points and just got one. Yeah, the hosts are certainly more disappointed, and we will get to them in a second. Also, you stole my line about Forge dropping points from winning positions, uh, and I know you stole my line because it's in the rundown here. (laughs) (laughs) But let's start with Valor, who come out in a a different look in this game. I don't think we've seen them play a back three very often, uh, but they come out in that sort of 3-4-3, which is interesting, uh, except it doesn't really go to plan because unfortunately Matteo de Brienne goes down to injury with it looked like a, an ankle or a, or a calf thing in the first half, I think about 15 minutes in. So Skander Mizugi comes in and plays that left wing back role. And then just before halftime, another star for that team, key player Diego Gutierrez goes down. Uh, and that means Clyde Cella has to come into the game at center back. Dante Campbell goes further forward into midfield. Uh, Cella would end up having quite the impact on this game. But uh, before we break down Valor and what they did, let's go back and hear what Phil DeSantos, their head coach, had to say. I think that's the best the best thing of today. It's the fight that the guys had uh, looking to, to get back. It's, you know, we've had our, our fair share of issues uh, finding the back of the net. And then you go down a goal and the mountain could seem very high to climb. And... Uh, we were able to dig in and fight and um, and get the goal. So that's the best thing uh, of today. I think that the team, you know, we set up differently. I think for us it was important to try and attack with speed, with players a little bit more central and close the spaces that Forge like to attack. And um, we did that well for a, a, a good part of the game. I just felt that there was something else in us. I. I felt that we we had a chance to go and and find the first goal and and then when we opened up a little bit more we we concede um so it was good to get the the goal back. Yeah, he'll be- definitely be happy to get that goal from a set piece and get out of Hamilton with a point. Um but as Phil said the game really opened up in the second half, right? Mitchell when the the rain starts coming down and and maybe Forger getting a little bit more frustrated and starting to to find to look for those attacking spaces. It gave, the game maybe took on a bit of a different energy when they came out for the second half. Yeah. No, I think certainly. And, you know, I think obviously Forge were, were really keen on getting those three points because they were important to them. You know, the, those injuries are always going to make a difference to players of quality. Um, but, you know, one thing I like from Valor is uh, one of the stories of their season so far, I think has been this impressive resilience to earn points when there's been just so many injuries of, of different levels for them this season. And um, yeah, just to be able to get another point against such a good team at home was, was very impressive at the same time, you know, over the course of an entire season, that's clearly not a recipe for success. And, you know, they can't seem to ever find a consistent playing style or, or, you know, playing, like squad because there's always someone out or someone missing and um that, yeah that's a continued issue and yeah it's exciting to see the back three because that's something we've wanted to see for a while but if you don't have Debrienne, it's maybe not quite as effective so we'll see how these guys are health wise but yeah i think overall um a better point for them um but still some concerns coming out of this yeah and, and obviously fingers crossed for mateo um but that, yeah, that Valor resolve and determination. I mean, Clyde Cella comes into that game to play, you know, more probably more than he was expecting to in that game, if at all. Uh, he watch has to watch the ball go over his head for the first forge goal. Uh, but then he is the one who shakes off his marcher, marker and kind of climbs over Reset Rama to score that equalizing goal. There is fight in this team. They're, they're a, a pretty gritty team this Valor side so let's go back there and hear Clady Cella's own thoughts it was a nice moment uh, a little bit bittersweet I wanted to kind of make up on my my previous error but I think yeah like coach said we I think we got a bunch of dogs on this team and, and it, it feels like every time we, we have a big mountain the bigger the mountain the, the more we climb so uh, I'm really proud of the guys and uh, yeah it was just it's next man up next game up next minute up bunch of dogs in this team uh, the bigger the mountain, the more they climb. That's all good stuff from Clyde Cella, who obviously we can't forget is a former Forge player. Uh, he was there for a few years, and to get his first goal, Valor, 
at Tim Hortons field has got to be a, a pretty fun moment for him as well. I, I think I saw some of his family around before the game wearing his Jersey. So that would have been a special moment. So moving on to forge though, um, before we get into how they played or the tactics or anything like that, we're going to start by just hearing Bobby Smyrniotis and, and the, his opening remarks for this game. And then we'll break that down ourselves and just, We'll get into it. Let's, let's just roll the clip. Let's hear what Bobby had to say. I thought, uh, you know, we're in control of the match uh, for the most part. Created some good opportunities in the first half. Uh, had a lot of good flow. Just sometimes maybe uh, rush things, uh, but we're not in danger. Uh, second half, yeah, I thought, again, we're good. Um, somewhere around the 60th minute, we've scored a goal. Uh, I'm not sure if anyone in this room can tell me why it's not a goal. So I see a lot of heads nodding. So we all know it's a goal. Yeah, uh, so 55th minute, I think it's Kyle Becker comes in off the right side, puts it off the post, it comes back into the six-yard box, and uh, I think Schwanier puts it at the feet of Taron Campbell. It's immediately flagged down, but I think a lot of us, even in real time, and then certainly on replay, can see that Guillaume Pianelli is is playing Taron Campbell onside from uh, from a little bit further behind. Uh, I, I, don't know, <laughs> I don't know what to say about this one, Mitchell, other than it was onside and, and Forge were or denied a, a goal that would have won them this game. Um, obviously a lot of credit to them to pick themselves up after this and to go score pretty quickly again as they, they seem to do this year. They seem to score after a little bit of adversity pretty quickly, but um, I, I, I'm not sure where exactly you were sitting to watch this, but it, it looked onside, right? Oh yeah. I, th- I think it was definitely onside um, and obviously disappointing because this, has seemed to happen to, to forge a, a few different times this season um, where it's kind of been the talking point of, of the post game is, you know, a, a decision. But for me, this is another game where they let it be close enough that a decision, you know, changes the outcome of the match. And, you know, you look over at the Ottawa Vancouver game where Ollie Bassett pretty clearly on side on a play where, he, you know, he passes to Sam Salter. That's a footnote in that game because they go on to win by multiple goals. That hasn't happened enough for Forge. And the margins have been so small for them this season when they've been winning. Um, like, you know, you leave it up to chance for a moment like this to, to change a match. And, you know, Bobby Smirniotis always says goals are the hardest thing to do. And he's he's got a good point in that. But at the same time, you know, if you're a team of Forge's caliber, you want to be winning by multiple goals, and that just hasn't been happening this season. So that's the biggest concern for for me from them this year, especially when Pacific's been dropping points like crazy lately, and they could have kind of climbed up the, the table a little bit over the last little bit. That's true. That's true. It's a great point. Um, certainly a, a frustrating moment and uh, one that Forge won't forget very quickly. <laughs> um, one that, you know, they're, they're very much right to be aggrieved by but let's just go into how they did play in this game because i think that's maybe a positive thing for me for them i think they have started to look a little bit more like themselves they certainly did against york last week i think in this game they looked quite good and quite dangerous again i think that they had coped with the conditions in the second half a lot better than valor did Mm -hmm. Uh, and and that's not necessarily because they hello to the dog again (laughs) that's not necessarily because of you know a a conscious attempt to play into the conditions obviously that's part of it as well but i think that the way that they play they keep the ball on the ground Uh, they're not putting the ball at the mercy of the wind as much as valor might Uh, i think that was very conducive to to maybe being able to be a little more dangerous the ball moves very quickly along the turf in the rain at tim horton's field and i think they obviously know that and they made very good use of that with their very quick and and uh, quite aggressive passing forward to to make those runs and to get the ball up quickly. Uh, so just from your from your vantage point again, Mitchell, what did you think of of Forge and maybe how they were starting to get into those spaces later into that game? Yeah, um, well, for one thing, I I really like you know how important it's been that Alessandro Hajab rapport has been back, and I mm-hmm. think that's been so important for getting those players. Um, slightly further forward. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's obviously been an important thing for them. And I mean, I just I just love what we've seen from Taryn Campbell this year and over the last little bit in terms of um, you know his determination. And again, once he gets a goal ruled off, he goes right back. He, he's the first person 
their goal comes off really um, a, a better understanding of the bounce on that field and, and reacting to that. So um, yeah, you know, I think Forge, like you said, adapted better to the conditions and that's, that is a positive for them. Although obviously again, just single point. Yep, a single point for each. Uh, both of these teams next week taking on the two teams from the last game we just talked about. Forge going out west to Pacific for what will be a really, really interesting game and a, a game that both teams will be pretty desperate to win, I think. Very, very entertaining on Friday night. And then York, or Valor, sorry, hosting York in Winnipeg to close out the weekend on Sunday. Mitch, again, we will have you back at the end of the show. I hope you're cooking yeah. up some some terrible predictions that we will all dunk on you for uh, I'll probably do your dog can also make predictions i hope that <laughs> nice. i hope that i hope that yeah i hope you don't have your pick stolen <laughs> <laughs> but uh anyway we will talk to you later as we move on to our fourth game of the weekend and that will be broken down for us by alexandra gonke ruzik who was our correspondent for cavalry versus halifax agr how you doing Good, good to, to be on the show a little later time, but uh, can't complain. Yeah, yeah, we, uh, we're doing the evening show this week for a, a litany of reasons. But if we play the Cavalry Halifax highlights, um, AGR, in your analysis, you called this a strong tactical battle as Cavalry obviously getting that late winner, courtesy of, uh, unfortunately, Dan Nimick's head. But what did you like about this game, AGR, and what what's maybe your rating out of 10? Yeah, I'd say this was uh, oof, probably closer to a, a six seven i think this was a, a good battle for 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 those who prefer it maybe you know lacking a bit of finish but i think that's what made it entertaining it was a really chaotic game in the regard of you know both teams had a clear identity of how they wanted to go at each other halifax as usual is a bit more on the ball and, and, and trying to you know play uh, down the middle and then for cavalry was go down the flanks and really try to dominate the wide areas and they both had chances halifax hit a post had a chance cleared off the line so did cavalry and then in the end uh cavalry knocked 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 and then eventually the the door broke down and for them uh was it was a bit of vindication uh they kind of mentioned after the game because in midweek against ottawa they had a similarly you know grindy game where it was nil nil for most of it ottawa was pushing cavalry were pushing but in the end ottawa kind of got that that first lick and then they ended up winning two nil and cavalry felt that they maybe let it get away well this time they managed to to you know get that that one in at the end and i think the big theme that i heard a few times from ben fisk and uh tommy wielden jr after the game was doesn't matter how just matters that they got the goal in the end and, and got the win that they felt they deserved yeah that's certainly all that uh all that will be remembered by the standings in a few months at the end of the season is is that Cavalry got all three points and Halifax, unfortunately for them, didn't get any of them. Uh, AGR, as you mentioned, this is a big a big game for Calgary or for Cavalry to get back in the win column after losing frustratingly to Ottawa midweek. Um, just in terms of the way that they played and and as you said, you feel you feel like maybe they deserved to win and they got that reward at the end. Just what stood out to you about the way that Cavalry was playing here? Yeah, I think it was just a relentless performance. And I think you can kind of see why they're so good at home and why it was, you know, they, they, they rarely lose at home. That Ottawa loss was just their, you know, third loss uh, in the last, what, you know, 12 months, all to Ottawa, funnily enough. So maybe a bit of a bogey team in that regard at, at Cofield. Um, but it was something where they want to be dominant at home. And what, you know, what's fun to watch with Calvary at home is they play that way. They play with this conviction. They play with this energy. Uh, it was, you know, very clear the way they just, they kept funneling the ball to, to wide areas, especially Fraser Aird had a very strong game with his delivery. Ben Fisk as well. Good to see him back starting after all the injuries he's dealt with. Uh, and it was just, there was a very clear identity in, in how they play. And I, I think that's, you know, it could be commended that sometimes in, in a league where, you've played each other so many times you can get a bit focused in the other opponents and matchups and no Calvary's like, we're going to play our way. We're going to play our three, four, two, one off the, uh, or on the ball. And we're going to play, uh, you know, our, our, our four, two, uh, two, 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 I guess you could say off the ball. And just, they're, they're very clear in the identity and that home that you, you can commend them for that and end up working as they, they were very, they knew what they were doing out there. Yeah. And, and certainly more to come in Calgary as well with William Akio set to join up with, that attacking group as well, which will be fascinating to see how they manage to, to integrate him, who is a very, very dynamic and, and entertaining forward. Uh, but we've spoken a lot in the last couple of minutes, so let's hear from somebody else on Calgary, and let's go back to Spruce Meadows and hear from their coach, Tommy Wilden Jr. Doesn't matter how, just matters how many you score more than the opposition, and uh, that was us today. So 
we, we knew we could create something. We off. Ethan went up there to cause a problem. We know in, in Fraser and Ben, you know, we could see that Halifax were having tired legs and there was going to be something. And, you know, Leon Apgood works a lot on our attacking set plays and got to give credit to him to, you know, Ben Fisk has put in a terrific ball. And, you know, I've been, you know, I've been there myself where you're just weathering a storm and, you know, we took the deflection. But it's nice to have a bit of luck go our way in that, those moments too. It's another set piece for Cavalry as well. They've always been fantastic in that area of the of the game, especially recently with Leon Hapgood running those, as Tommy mentioned, uh, and plenty of cool performances for the Cavs in this game. Frazier Aird's in the team of the week. Uh, ben Fisk, really close, nearly got in there, but ultimately uh, didn't quite make the cut. But let's hear from Ben Fisk as well, because I think he did have a, a hell of a game for Cavalry. Yeah, I mean, again, uh, I think a bit, of, a bit of relief more than anything, but uh, we definitely created enough chances to to win uh, in a, in a much easier fashion today. I think we made it a little hard on ourselves, but again, so so special scoring a winner in uh, in the last uh, part of the game in front of uh, the foot soldiers there. So honestly, uh, you have to be out there to, to feel what it's like. It's uh, it's incredible. For Halifax, though, it's a bit of a heartbreaker. I think AGR, especially after how great a moment it was for them on Tuesday when they beat Pacific in that crazy fog game that I think we all loved watching. It was real, real, real uh, entertaining moment, interesting moment, but uh, they took Cavalry right to the wire here and it's a, an own goal right at the end that, that dooms them. What did you make of Halifax, in, not only in this game, but the way that they've kind of been playing recently? Yeah, you kind of it was kind of unfortunate for them, especially on the road, because it feels like the shoe doesn't necessarily fit for them in terms of their road record, if that makes sense. As in, like, you look, they're the only team not to win on the road yet. They're still hunting it down. They've played the most road games as well, right? So they've had that extra opportunity. But they've just been so unfortunate in these games where they have these good performances, and it just continues to be these moments that, that hurt them where, you know, a set piece like this or – you know, there's countless other examples you can go across where they were close to to getting a draw or a win or something like that. It just uh, these sorts of moments get them because, yeah, it was a solid performance. Like on the ball, they, they got a, a lot more involved than they did a week prior against Vancouver. Lorenzo Caligari had another great game just playing between the lines, getting on the ball. Their defenders as well were, were really stepped up. And it was kind of ironic that Nimick scored the own goal because it felt like, uh, you know, They'd actually done well to defend a lot of the cavalry wide service that, that was coming in and made some key blocks. So overall, I'd say it was a good performance. Really, just what hurt them was a lack of just final third quality. And that's kind of been something that you mentioned, you know, over the last while. Then what this uptick in form has been, the, 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 this ability to take advantage of their chances that they're creating and uh, you know, and the fact they only allowed one goal against Cavalry. If if they were able to get a you know a goal or two, they could have easily uh, got more of this game. And we've seen that a lot lately. And I think what this game highlighted was also how key Thiago Coimbra has quietly become to their attack. Because uh, him being out injured, they kind of missed a bit of that spark, a bit of that energy. And Joao Morelli helped a lot when he came in. He looks lively and looks like uh, he's already well on track towards being himself again. Massimo Ferran was very lively, but they kind of missed that final product, that final piece. And Coimbra's done a lot of that for, for them as of late. Yeah, uh, lots of reasons to be optimistic in Halifax and, and things will continue in that vein, I will say, for Halifax. Um, you mentioned Lorenzo Caligari. He's in the team of the week, as is Massimo Ferran, who I thought was very good in both games this week. Uh, but for the last word on, on the Halifax Wanderers and this uh, maybe up and down week for them, let's go back there and hear from Patrice Geyser. You know, it's been a, a difficult challenge, and you could tell our legs are a little bit gone. In a matter of eight days, we've gone to Vancouver, to Halifax, and back to Calgary. So, you know, for me, one of the biggest worries is these players' health and, you know, injuries. But, you know, I, I give the guys a lot of credit. They managed to turn it around. Around 30th, we hit the post, they hit the post. Callum had a sitter, and then the kind of game it looked like it died. And... You know, somebody has to lose, unfortunately, sometimes, and it was difficult to digest that, especially since it's a you know, 90th minute own goal. You, you can't get the story worse, but we've been on the other side where we won the last minute, so you gotta appreciate that, look to move forward and get past it, but you know, you leave a little bit behind, hoping maybe you at least take a point, but you didn't, and you learn, and get prepared for next Saturday. Also, sorry to Finn in the chat, who I know did not enjoy watching that foggy game in Halifax as a Pacific fan, but uh, most of the neutrals did. I'm sorry. 
Uh, well, up next for these teams, Halifax, they're going back home. They're hosting Cavalry, or no, Ottawa. They're hosting Atletico Ottawa. Uh, I don't know how I have it written down and still got it wrong, but that's on Saturday. Cavalry, on the other hand, they're going out to Langley to play Vancouver FC in their first uh, first trip to that stadium since that home opener, as we uh, as we mentioned earlier in the show. Now, we've got about 10 minutes left here in the show, and we are going to have some fun. We're going to put some guys on the spot. So let's bring the whole gang back onto the screen here. Mitchell, Benedict, AGR. All right, guys. Every team is through at least 15 games of the 2023 season. Uh, we didn't do this last week because not everybody had hit 14 or, or there's midweek games a little little busier, but I think it's about time that we check in on some of the Canadian Premier League awards and where we stand at the moment. So we'll go uh, around the table for each of these awards. Um, you get maximum a sentence to justify your pick, <laughs> yeah. um, unless it's a really bad one, in which case we'll give you a second one. <laughs> <laughs> And I hope that everyone in the chat is uh, is taking notes. And again, as a couple of you already have, but everybody else, uh, feel free to send in your own picks for these awards and see which one of us you line up with the best. So let's start uh, in goal with the Golden Glove. Won last year, obviously, by Marco Carducci. This year, plenty of good candidates. Let's start with Benedict. Uh, I went for Ryan yesterday. He's, he's been in form. He's Leads the league in clean sheets and saves, I believe, and he looks like the best goalkeeper so far this season. Ryan Yesley is a good pick. I think he was AGR's preseason pick, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, AGR, are you sticking with that, or do you have another one? I'm sticking with uh, Yesley, and for me, the one stat I'll give out is uh, he saved almost six goals above expected uh, for the advanced mm-hmm. metrics. No one else in the league has more than one. He's been uh, the clear favorite by a good amount. It's a good pick. Mitchell? Yeah, and I think my dog just agreed too. So we're either three for four or four for five. I don't know where we're working on it right now, but yes, Ryan Yesley. Ryan Yesley. All right. Uh, for the sake of, of being different, I'm going to go with uh, Tristan Henry, I think, who I think has quietly actually had, had a very good season in the Pipes for Forge, and I think it's about time. <laughs> um, moving on a little further up the pitch let's go to the defenders uh, last year won by Alex Ashinoda Janssen at Forge uh, Benedict who have you got for that award so far this year I got Amir Didich from Pacific FC I thought he had a shot winning it last year um, obviously didn't but I think uh, this might be the year he finally gets his hand on that award great shout great shout AGR yeah, I think it's Didich. He's held off a bit of a surge from Daniel Nimick, but I think uh, Didich has been on the best defense, uh, you know, in terms of uh, statistics. Uh, it's, it's been Pacific, and Didich has been a key leader at both ends of the pitch. I certainly agree with that. Uh, Mitchell, how about you? Well, this is boring. I also have Didich. Uh, All right. Four guys. goals as a center back. Like, he's hard not to pick considering what he's already been doing defensively, like a set piece menace to say the least at, at both ends of the field. Um, it, it's gotta be Didich. Yeah. Uh, you guys are, are boring. So we're going to have to get a little bit, a little bit uh, less obvious <laughs> here soon, but you know what I will. Didich is a very good shout. And I think probably the, the front runner for me at the moment, but AGR mentioned him. I'm going to go with Dan Nimick as well in Halifax. I think that this could be a, I think a really, really big second half of the season for him in a, in the center of defense in Halifax. So I, I'm excited to see how his progress comes. Uh, and there's, there's other guys that we can shout out too, though. I mean, Magikar James has been really good at Forge. Uh, he's had some injuries and some suspensions, but uh, he'll be back and he'll be really good. Diego Espeo is always, always very good for Atletico Ottawa. Anyway. Paris G. Paris G is a fantastic yeah, that's shout. That's a good shout, yeah. That's a tremendous shout. Uh, so, yeah, I don't think any of position, these... so you, I don't know what award category. <laughs> He's a true defender. Too, but... Yeah, center back. <laughs> he has done a lot of defending this year as well. So he's he's been in every position. So a great shout. All right, our third award. Let's go to the under-21 Canadian player of the year last year. It was Sean Rea. He's killing it in Montreal at the moment. Who, for you guys, is the young player that uh, has really made an impact so far this season, starting again with Benedict? I have Gote Intigny of Calvary FC. I think he's been really good so far this season. He's eaten up a lot of their minutes and been an offensive spark for them, and I think he'll have a big second half of the season as well, even even with Akio coming in. AGR, do you have have the same pick or something else? 
I have Matteo De Brienne. I think despite the injury, he's just he's probably been the most consistent, which is kind of remarkable because the fun thing about the U21 awards is they're U21 players. So it's something where they can have fantastic games and then, you know, not so good games. And I think De Brienne's consistency at a good level is, is kind of edged it for me. But there's some good choices. Absolutely. Mitchell, how about you? Yeah, I think Debrienne for the first half of the season, I think it will get very interesting over the second half, though, because there's, like AJR said, there's so many guys, you know, a Coimbra, a Jean-Nel-SC, who are right there and thereabouts. Um, that's just two of, like, there's probably a six-horse race right now for, for the U21 Player of the Year award, but I'll go with Debrienne for the first half of the season, and same thing, consistency. Yeah, and there's been a couple shout-outs in the chat from Archer for Gabriel Antonoro, and I think that's a good mm-hmm. shout as well, especially the way he's played recently. With his, his goal scoring, I think a month ago, I would have said that Matteo de Brienne was absolutely running away with it, and it wasn't even close. Uh, Intigné is definitely making this a bit of a a bit of a, a competition. I think there are definitely going to be a lot more candidates for this than I maybe expected there to be, because I thought Matteo was going to run away with it. But uh, as long as Matteo's not super injured after that game in Forge on Saturday, I think he's still gotta be my choice uh, he's, he's been fantastic this year uh for valor all right all right we've got two more to go uh got one of the the more controversial i think <laughs> <laughs> awards in recent memory but the coach of the year uh i think that it may remain controversial but benedict where are you going for coach of the year yeah the former dipped a little bit recently but i think so far it has to be james merriman uh, i think he's, he's been no, I think this team's been far away the best so far this season, and uh, I expect that to continue. Hey, AGR, do you have the same answer? Yeah, I'd say Merriman. I think it's something where just in terms of the numbers, in terms of performances, in terms of everything, he's he's managed everything very well. And even like in those moments where they've slumped, like the first three games of the year, even the recent three games, the performances have been well, and I think they'll, they'll turn it around quick. I have a feeling this one might end up unanimous, but Mitchell... Yeah, no, I think all the guys made some great points. It's got to be James Merriman for, you know, the first half. Yeah, and I, I think I've been impressed with James's kind of evolution as a coach himself this year. We've spoken on this podcast about how, you know, he's started to to evolve in, in terms of his mid-game adjustments, his ability to bring players off the bench and, and change games tactically. I, I think that Pacific have been an evolving team this year under his his guidance, and I think that that's been been really cool to see from a, a younger, a, a Vancouver Island-born head coach in the Canadian Premier League. Uh, certainly candidates that could go on a run here and take it. I think Patrice Geyser is probably the closest for me, uh, the, be- the next best option, uh, especially considering how new that team was together. And if they do go on a run and make the playoffs, I wouldn't be surprised if Patrice is up there at the end of the year. Uh, obviously, Calvary playing very well at the moment. Tommy Wilden Jr., we could see if Ottawa goes on another run. Carlos Gonzalez is trying to defend his trophy. But again, I, I think you guys are right. And James Merriman is, is pretty far in front just at the moment, at least. All right. The big one, though, the final one. And I think hopefully the one with the fewest uh, or the one without maybe a runaway pick. Uh, I guess we'll see. We'll find out. But player of the year for you guys. Last year it was Ollie Bassett. Uh, we've had. I mean, we've we've had three other players. I don't know why I would say there'd be a lot of other players because there's one every year. But... <laughs> well, two now with the new players player of the year, right? There, yeah. there are. That's right. It was the same player last year. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we we may end up, uh, you know, players may end up voting differently than uh, the player of the year award this year. That would be truly fascinating to me. And maybe it would be a lot of fun. But player of the year, Benedict, you are not a player. You are a member of the media. Who are you picking? Uh, I'm going to say there will not be a fifth new member. I'm going to say Ollie Bassett is going to win it for a second time in a row. I think he's been consistently very, very good from game one to game 14 or game 15. And uh, he, he makes that team tick. And if they go on a run and make the playoffs and, and play as well as they can, I think I think he'll be the front runner for that award. AGR? I have Eamon Salouf. I think just for the first half, he's been explosive and the numbers speak for itself. Uh, I, I have Salouf, but Bassett is very close. And funnily enough, I have imagined the players player of the year because I just think, you know, players love the reputation, the consistency, and, and Bassett's brought a lot of that. But I think in terms of just Salouf, he's, 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 he's been an MVP, but he's also brought a bit of that flash, a bit of that pizzazz, and I think that's uh, made him so fun to watch as well. 
I like that pick, and I think we'll hopefully see a lot more from him over the the last few months of the season, and he definitely will uh, at least be in the conversation come the end of the year. Mitchell, how about you? You kind of stitch me up here by going third every time. I'm always taking someone else's answer, but <laughs> that's where you're uh, supposed you're supposed to think on the fly here and come up with I something know, else. I know, I know, but I got to stick with Ollie Bassett. Um, he's almost already scored as many goals as he did last year in his Player of the Year campaign. He's got ten goal contributions. Um, he just been consistently their their best player every match this season, and yeah, I. I you know, I think he's even taken the next step. And obviously, he was the player of the year last year. So um, it, I've been very impressed with Ollie. I think just in the interest of having a few more names come around here, I might ask you guys for some <laughs> honorable mentions. Uh, because I think that there are a lot of players that at least deserve conversation mm-hmm. in, in this stretch. Because I think at the moment, it is probably Ollie Bassett for me as well. Although I think my second might actually be Ali Moussi who has had a really good first half of the season and I think can really, really turn it on in that team as they continue to, to click tactically and to find you know, exactly what is the best way to get the best out of Ali. But I think maybe we'll go... Do you want to go reverse order around the table? Yes, fine. Uh, <laughs> you guys, because, Mitch, because Mitchell complained about it. Let's go yeah. in reverse order and let's get... A, let's get just, just throw some names out there. Tell me other guys that you think could be in that conversation come October. Uh, he's already won a, a player of the month, but maybe Sean Young out in yes. Pacific. You know, another yes. player who um, is playing for a great team and and fits very well into that system. So I'll go with Sean Young should be in that conversation. I love that. I was I absolutely think that that's right, and I think that he is a had just unfortunately too old to be under twenty one player of the year <laughs> yeah. because he would be running away with that as well. AGR, how about you? Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to shout out Moosey because I, I picked him in my preseason MVP pick. So I'm, I'm riding that one to the bank. I got my, my odds on that one. So I, I wouldn't hate if that one uh, came true, of course. But <laughs> to throw in another name, uh, I, I'm going to throw Lorenzo Caligari. I just think it's something yes. where, you know, he's not, the, he's not a striker. He's not a forward. He's not going to get all the goal contributions, although he has, what, like four assists, which is kind of impressive. But just the way he he's so important to that Halifax team, if they stay hot and you know, they got a lot of home games. They can push up the table. Like, he's someone who I think's name uh, could really slip in. I think that'd be fascinating because uh, it'd be cool to see number six in this race. All right. Final word, final couple of names, Benedict. Yeah, I'll say Taron Campbell. I think he's been pretty good so far. If Forge go on a run and, and they keep going and he starts putting the ball in the back of that even more consistently, and he can be in that conversation. And while well, I don't think a goalkeeper is going to win, I'll put Ryan Nessie's name in there. Why not? He's been absolutely crucial to that team. And, and if they have any success, it's going to be with him playing very, very well. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. That's that's a good shout. I mean, if Valor do go on a run, I could also see Diego Gutierrez getting in there. Mm-hmm. Um, again, hoping that he's fit and healthy after coming off on Saturday. Uh, and again, we don't. Uh, I don't really want to make you guys pick who's going to win the Golden Boot because you know, <laughs> we don't know who's going to score goals. But uh, Taron Campbell in the lead by just one. Maybe should have been two but in the lead by one uh, at the moment. So as we just wrap up the podcast quickly here, let's bring up the standings as they are right now. Pacific, again, still in front, but not by as much as they were a couple weeks ago, just two points up on Cavalry, uh, and they don't have that game in hand on them anymore as well. Forge right there behind them in third, and then you know lots of teams still involved in that playoff race. York kind of in, in fifth there, but just two points up on Halifax, who... Definitely will be hoping to get back into that picture as we have another four entertaining games this week and we can bring up the schedule for that too. We start on Friday, as we've mentioned, at Starlight Stadium in Langford, Pacific FC, taking on Forge FC, 7 Pacific, 10 Eastern, followed by on Saturday, Halifax hosting Atletico Ottawa on Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern, 4 o'clock Atlantic time. And then Saturday's doubleheader, that, that Halifax game, by the way, the Tony Bet match of the week, we do have to say, uh, followed closely in Langley by Vancouver FC taking on Cavalry also on Saturday, 4 o'clock Pacific time, that's 7 o'clock Eastern. And then uh, as, as, you, as, we, uh, as we have mentioned earlier, Valor hosting York in Winnipeg for the final game of the weekend, that's Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central time. Four games, all available to watch live on One Soccer. Uh, and we will speak to you again sometime next week. Cavalry counter! It's Camargo from Bevan! Dillian gets down! 
Over the top, Chalup, Variety Chalup. Garcia, fake the cross shot, but it's across and it's perfect. Up and finishing it off is Alejandro Diaz, who scores in his Vancouver debut. Karen Campbell can do no wrong. them pay. Fisk. Off goes back for passes around. And in. Cavalry in stoppage time. And win this match by a goal to nil and go second in the Canadian.